0: Good morning again, everybody. I'm Jeff. I'm pleased to be with you. Hello, online community. Glad you guys are with us today. And the online community is already aware that um, they've already probably gotten or going to get a giant pile of scripture verses because I'm stoked about introducing our new sermon series uh, this uh, this morning. Um, You know, maybe I've told you guys a story before, but I spent a summer once as a hod carrier. Anybody know what a hod carrier is? All you guys over 60 know what that phrase is. Uh, hot carrier is its the cement that you use to put in the foundation, found, connecting foundation stones. So I thought what I was going to do was build a house. I thought I was going to spend a summer building a house. And that was always a dream of mine in high school and college. I still have that dream. One day I want to build a house. Is that ever going to be possible? I don't know. Because I'm certainly getting way younger every year. But. <clears throat> so I thought I was gonna build a house, but instead what I did was I got there and they started building the house and we spent, you know where this story's going, the entire summer on the foundation. Like that was it. Like, I, I mean, I carried from the street where the deliveries were made up the dirt hill to where the house was, I carried the cinder blocks, I mixed the cement and I wheelbarrowed it up to the guy who laid the blocks and did this. for two and a half months. I never pounded a nail. I never sawed a board. Like I thought I was going to build a house but I ended up carrying sod for the three months. Here's the, the because as we know the foundation if we're going to build anything significant the foundation has to be solid. And that's what happens for the whole first three months of building this house. And this, I want you guys to see that we're actually going to start, this is not our new series called Theological Foundations. This is actually a new set of series that we're going to do. You're going to see this word Theological Foundations over uh, the coming years, probably once a year, we're going to do a series that will fall into this branding called Theological Foundations. Because the point is, you guys, we want to make sure that we're going to be grounding ourselves in the building blocks of truth, without which our church and our lives would collapse. We want to make sure that we're anchored in the truth. And so we're going to talk about theological foundations once a year or so. And this particular series is called the enemies of our soul. Now in classic thought, what are the enemies of our soul? Classic Christian thought. Anybody know what the enemies, there's three enemies of our soul. Do you know what they are? The world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil. That's right, that's been uh, uh, in the Christian world forever and ever, this idea of the world, the flesh, and the devil are our three enemies of our souls. In other words, this spiritual journey of wanting to walk with Jesus, of having been reunited with God because of what Jesus did, of being Christians, of following the Lord and being God's women and God's men, that, that foundation, we're gonna come under attack for that. There are gonna be enemies to doing that in the way in which we were designed. And so we're going to have some hard teachings over the next few weeks and actually talk about the three enemies of our souls and get super real about that. That's one of the theological foundations we need to be aware of, or as we said, our church and our lives would collapse and crumble. The world, the flesh, and the devil, you see that all the way through the scriptures. That's why you're aware of the terms The scripture teach about the devil, teach about the world, teach about the flesh, It's hard to find them in one spot. There is a verse in in Ephesians chapter two that you can see all three of them together. Look at this verse with me. Paul says, the Ephesian church, as, uh, as for you, you were dead in your sin, your transgressions and sins. He's talking about our time before we knew Jesus. You were dead in your transgressions and sins, spiritually dead away from God in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of say it this world, there's the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, that's the devil. He goes, At that time, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. See, this is going to be, uh, the, we're going we're to be looking over the next six, seven, including today, seven weeks around these three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and how they impact us. They have been considered by the church something to pay attention of, again, theologically foundational. If we don't understand it, we potentially can find ourselves collapsed under the weight of these enemies. Um, It's been in the church forever. The council of Trent in the 1500s, Roman Catholic council, theological council. I love this. They said this, knowing that they are born again unto a hope of glory, talking about believers, knowing that they're born again unto the hope of glory, praise God, but not yet unto glory, right? They're still on earth. It's talking about believers. Now they're born again into glory, but not yet. They ought to fear for the combat, which yet remains with the flesh, the world and the devil. Isn't that good language? Like we're like, yeah, we're bound for glory, but not yet. So we better fear for the combat with the flesh, the world, and the devil. Even longer ago than that, Thomas Aquinas in the 1200s of all things said, just as man is tempted by the flesh, so too is he tempted by the world and the devil. These three things, these three, uh, the world, the flesh, the devil, uh, the church forever has been saying, we got to be careful because there are enemies of our souls, So we're gonna look at those three enemies and how they operate and how it is that we can live in the face of that battle. Wow, enemies of our souls. And we're gonna start with the devil. Happy New Year. (laughs) Right, the series, the, the starting with the devil, like, okay. Now, I was talking with the staff about this earlier this week, Tuesday, and Pastor Michael said, you know what? I wish somebody had said, when I started getting instructed about this kind of stuff, I wish somebody had told me in talking about the devil they had led with, started with, but you don't have to be afraid. Come on now. Is that good news? In fact, we're going to have a hard time because this is such a brutal topic We're going to have a hard time with the good news idea, you guys, and so um, actually, I think as we go along anywhere, it's totally free, online, right on the chat box, where any time in the middle of the sermon, if you just need to say out loud, is there good news? Okay, you just say that, all right? So you can say it right now, ready? Go. Is there Yeah, exactly. Any time when I'm preaching, just blurt it out is totally fine. We're going to get to the good news. But it's okay to lament that and say that. But to start with, you don't have to be afraid. Because if you know Jesus, we're going to find out that he's overcome all three enemies. And our hope is in him. There's a surprise. And he's worthy of our praise. So we're going to get there. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with the devil. A couple other caveats very quickly, though. First, this is not going to be exhaustive. I'm going to fire hose you with scriptures like none other. This is going to be a record-breaking week in terms of scriptures. You maybe want to write them down. You maybe can go do stuff. The point is you're going to have to go study on your own. Do you have a Bible with color on every page that study Bible? I gave away my last one last hour, but you're going to want to go home and study. Okay. And so, uh, I'm not going to be able to say everything about this during this time. So just know that. And we're going to have you guys next week, a question we're going to, Ben's going to come back, follow up. It's going to talk about some practical application to this teaching And then we're gonna have an extended time of question and answer, just conversation together about the topic of the devil as one of the enemies of our soul. Won't that be fun? So, pull out a white card right now and keep it in front of you because we're gonna ask you to turn in questions. Go ahead, everybody grab a white card in the the seat in front of you. You're like, I don't know, maybe I will later. No, I want to encourage you. That card is for you to write questions that come to mind over the next 30 minutes of fire hosing, okay? And we'll put them in baskets on the way out at the end of the worship gathering. You got that? If I forget to tell you where to put them, telling you right now, we're going to put them in the baskets. So that'll be super fun. Okay. So um, that's the, uh, we're going to pull the card out. We're going to get ready to go. All right. So here's where we're going. Ready? Look at this. This is why it's a fire hose. Here's the outline. We're going to talk about the devil's story. We're going to talk about his objectives, what he's after. We're going to talk about his tactics, how he does it. And we're going to talk about bad news, its impact on us. And is there good news? Go ahead and say that. Yes, right there, five points down. We're going to talk about the good news. And then we're going to talk about what to do, which is just an intro into our time next week. You ready? You guys, go, are, you, are you up for this? Are you up for this? Are you sure? Yeah. Uh, okay, it's going, to be, it's going to be a lot, but here we go. This... <clears throat> And is there going to be good news? Yes. Is there good news? Okay, good. First, let's start with the devil's story. Here's a story. He is the enemy. He's the enemy. This is what the devil teaches. He's the enemy. He's the enemy of God. He's the enemy, because of that, of God's ways. And he's the enemy of God's people who are trying to live by his ways. He is against the ways of God. Now, where did he come from? You guys? Is there going to be good news? Yeah, all right. Well, all right. We don't have to say that to you. Um, The scriptures just teach that he's real. We don't know a lot about his background story, but the scriptures teach that he's real, and what they teach is that he's against us. 1 Peter 5.8 is a classic verse. Be alert and sober-minded of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, there it is, your enemy. You've got an enemy. The devil prowls around like a a roaring lion or a roaring (laughs) lion, looking for someone to devour. He's your enemy. He's looking to take you out. That's what we know about the devil. We also know that he's not like God's opposite, but he was a created being. There's God and all of his creation. And the devil was an angel, a glorious angel that sat in the inner council with God at one point and, uh, and had a role of, of being in, the, in, the, in the, the council of heaven. And at some point, for some reason, turned his back on God and fell and didn't want God's rule in his life, probably a lot like you and me. Turned, took other angels with him. Those are the demons and became the, the, um, the, uh, the prince of this world. Because when humans joined his rebellion, then earth became his dominion. Some of you are like, does he really, like, is this not like, like bad art from the middle ages? Really? Does he really believe this? And the answer is absolutely yes. The scriptures are very clear. They're not clear about his origins and how he fell and all that, but they're very clear about how he works. And one of the things you're gonna see in this with all the fire hose of scriptures I'm gonna give you is, oh, our walk with Jesus assumes enemies of our soul, one of them being the devil, and he's very active and very good at it. Uh, is there... Is there Is there good news? Yeah. There's going to be good news as well. But this is what we know about the devil. He's called the accuser. That's what Satan means. That's what the devil means. That's Hebrew and and Greek. He's called the tempter. He's called the evil one. He's called the deceiver. Getting to know the brother right there. But, and this is key, and more on this later, he's already been defeated. Come on now. Oh, I said, is there good news? And it's right there. He's already been defeated, but not destroyed. He's defeated, but not destroyed. This is what the Bible teaches. So therefore, he's like a wounded animal on the prowl. Have you ever been near a wounded animal that's feeling threatened? It is not a pretty or safe experience. So that's his story. He's the enemy against God, the ways of God, and the people of God. Secondly, this is his story objective. His objective is destruction. His objective is destruction. Anything that bears the flourishing of human life from the heart of God, any way that we were designed to live in its fullness, anything that the kingdom of God will one day be, the enemy is against. Jesus said it really clear in John 10, 10. He said, the thief, this is the, he calls it the Satan, the thief, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. This is what he's about. He's gonna steal the things of God from the people of God and take away life. He's going to kill, bring death, hopefully in his ways, spiritual death, wants to separate people from God and he wants to destroy, as we looked, about, looked at already in 1 Peter chapter five, that he's on the prowl looking to bring destruction, to devour someone. That's sort of a brutal image, right? This idea of devouring. Think about a lion with a carcass in the jungle, like just limb to limb, just tearing it apart so that anything of life is gone. So he wants to destroy life and all human flourishing. Think of that. Think of all that makes us flourishing because assuming all of us in a relationship with God, when we're walking with God, we, we experience all that we're relationship, and joy, and peace, and rest, and justice, and all of that stuff, he's going to be against it. This is his objective, is that he's going to try to destroy that. Man, do we not look at the world and go, yep. He's destroying that everywhere. So instead, we're tempted toward anxiety, and scarcity, and injustice, and selfishness, and infidelity, and and violence, and And anger, right? I mean, those are the things that he wants to bring because all of those things destroy life. It's the opposite of what Jesus brings. Jesus said he comes to bring life, right? Jesus said, "Here, pray like this: like Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." That's life and flourishing. This is what we're about: life on earth as it is in heaven. And and Satan has said basically, "I want." My will to be done, my will to be done on earth as it is in hell. It's the opposite of what Jesus is all about and what Jesus is going to bring. So he doesn't, what does he lie about? Oh, sorry, I'm not there yet. So that's what Jesus, his objective is, is destruction. So his story is about being an enemy against us. His objective then is destruction of all life, of all things that are, thriving. And thirdly, then let's talk about his tactics. His tactic is lies. His tactic is lies. Now this is really interesting. You stop and think about it for a minute. Why would that be his tactic? Why wouldn't he wield some sort of a sword? Why wouldn't he do this? Why wouldn't he do that? Because he's already been defeated. And if he's already been defeated, he can't make us do anything. Humans have free agency. Humans free will. Humans have agency. Humans cannot be made to do anything by the devil, by demons. So he then can only tempt us to do something. And so lies are the way that he tempts us. He tempts us to move down a path that will not bring life by making us think that that's where life is found. Come on now, anybody walked a journey where we thought, there would be life at the end. And there was death. That's what he does. That's what the enemy does. And so his tactic is lies. He was a, look at this. This is a definitive text. This is Jesus's main teaching text about the enemy. One of probably three or four actually, but but one of the main ones. In John 8, Jesus said to these, these, the Pharisees, but also some Jews who were starting to believe in him. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out his desires. That's such a nice thing to say. Do not cross Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. You, he, and then he goes to teach about him. He was a murderer from the beginning. There's the destruction piece. He wants anything that has to do with life to be destroyed. So he's a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you think he's making his point there? What do we know about Satan from this text? He's a liar and the father of lies and he speaks lies as his native language. There's no truth in him because he's a liar and he speaks lies. He's a liar and he lies and he's a liar and a pinhead. (laughs) And so this is so, but what does he lie about you guys? What he lies about is are the things that bring life the most important things. Listen, he lies about reality. He lies about reality. He lies about who God is. He lies about who you are. He lies about how to find salvation through Christ. And he lies about the way to live that will bring life at its fullest. Those are the most important things. He lies about God and us and salvation and how to live. He lies about how to bring life so that we'll go down a path that's not God's path. That's what he does. Doesn't that sound familiar to you? This is what he does. He doesn't care what you believe. There's all kinds of things to believe as long as it's not the truth about God and about you and about salvation and about the path. The Russians learned a long time ago that the real war was not just fought by the, from the Cold War, all the way through what's happening in Ukraine, all the way from what happened in the misinformation campaigns of the last 10 years and how they got so good at that. They always knew that the war was always in the place of ideas, because if you changed people's ideas, you would change how they live. The devil is doing the exact same thing. Gary Gary Kasparov, who was the the tennis, uh, tennis, (laughs) chess, champion, um, but became an advocate for Russian democracy said this, the point of modern propaganda isn't only to misinform or to push an agenda. Look at the next line. It's to exhaust your critical thinking and to annihilate the truth. My friends, that is what the enemy does. He exhausts your critical thinking about what is true and real and annihilates that truth. So then you don't know about God, about your own identity, about salvation, and about how to live. And we see that everywhere. If you look at the enemy's overt tactics in the word, it's lies about this, those core things. Look at, look at just very briefly, look at Genesis chapter three. This is where the serpent showed up and talked to Eve. (laughs) These were two of his lies. Did God really say, what's he doing there? He's sowing doubt in God's word. Right? You will not certainly die if you eat the apple, he said, or you eat the fruit, the serpent said to the woman. You won't die. In other words, live however you want. You're not going to have a negative outcome. Live how you want and it will be okay. Right? That's about way of life and salvation. Look at Jesus' encounter with the devil in Luke chapter 4. His temptations, the devil started his temptation saying, if you're the son of God... He was sowing doubts about his identity. Come on now. See, this is, it's low-hanging fruit for us to talk about the lies in the world out there. <laughs> but now we're talking about, I mean, think about the lies in our hearts about who we really are. That destroys people. If you are the son of God, then do this. Like he did. The funny part about that is that the passage exactly before that, right in front of the temptation in the wilderness, Jesus was there, the heavens opened up, and a voice came from heaven that said, do you remember what it said? You are my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then this temptation, he goes, if you're this, really the son. So he's Tempting him about his identity. The text goes on. There's other temptations there. One of them is the devil shows him that all the glory of the kingdom of the world and all its authority and splendor has been given to the devil. And he goes, look, you worship me. You go my way. I'll give you everything you want in the world. So that's this lie about, look, at, forget the way God wants you to live. Forget the path that God has you on because there's probably a cross at the end of it. Forget giving yourself up. Live however you want. You'll have everything in the world. Does that sound familiar, that lie? So he's lied to about his identity. He's lied to about how to find happiness and purpose. And then the last one, it's not on the text here, that, but it's the one where he's gonna throw himself off the, the edge of the temple and God's gonna rescue him if he's, if he's the son of God and he's sowing doubt about whether or not God will actually come through and protect us. Does anybody ever have that temptation? You see, here are the most common human experiences that if we believe those lies, they would just rob us of flourishing. Our identity, God's protection, our relationship with Him, where salvation and life is actually found. This is what he does, you guys. This are his tactics. Those are his lies. The devil's chief stratagem is lies. Look at this quote. We'll come back to this during our series. I got it from John Mark Comer's book called Live No Lies. The devil's chief stratagem is lies. Deceitful ideas that play to our disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. This is his clever strategy. Starting with things that are not true that play to our disordered hearts and lives. And those things are normalized in a sinful society and so we get tempted to go, well, that's how everybody lives. And then he's got us. You see that in that slide there that this is the devil, the flesh and the world. You guys, the key point here is he can't make us do anything but he's gonna be really, really cunning in tempting us because that way he can entice us with ideas that sound so desirable that we'll give in to the flesh because everybody's living that way anyway, and we will not find flourishing. Here's where you say, is there good news? Not yet, because here's the next point. (laughs) The bad news is, his lies are wrecking our lives. Even those of us who know Jesus are impacted, but his lies are wrecking the lives of us in the world. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. You hear Paul's pastor heart to the Corinthian church. He goes, I'm afraid that just like Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, because the serpent is smart. I'm, I'm afraid that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Look at that, by the way, you see the serpent's cunning and you see that it's about the ideas. It's about the mind. He can't make you do something. So it's about lies and deceit and tempting in your mind. And he's so concerned that that, those would lead us astray from a relationship with Christ. This is why it's bad news. It's wrecking our lives. If we let into our mind and our body and our soul lies that are not true about God and the world and salvation and the right way. And he goes on to say, "If someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preach, in other words, preaches false truth, in other words, that lies, you put up with it easily enough." Wow. And the result then, friends, is not thriving. It's not in congruence with what is most real about God and the world and salvation. We see it everywhere. We believe it easily enough, it says. He's so good at it. That's kind of terrifying to me. There's a passage in the the Luke passage that I was just reading about, or there's a verse in the Luke passage about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. Do you remember how that temptation ends, how that story ends? After Jesus, and by the way, we'll talk about this next week. Jesus, every time he got tempted, Jesus did what to the the devil? Does anybody know? He quoted scripture, you know it. Because that's what's true. True and combats lies, but at the end it says, the devil left him until a more opportune time. Now Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and was tempted with food. Jesus was wrecked out there, and maybe, and we'll talk about this, maybe the reason Jesus could resist so well is that he had been practicing the spiritual disciplines, maybe, He was so prepared to fight that spiritual battle because he had been fasting, come on now. So the devil's like, I'm gonna come back at a more opportune time. Oh Lord, that literally just gave me chills. He's so smart that he will figure out a more opportune time when I'm at my worst, when I'm at my neediness, when I'm most vulnerable to receiving a lie about my identity, about who God is, about where life is found, about what would make me happy. He's going to look for a more opportune time. Okay. I don't have time to preach, but that should terrify us with a holy terror. Every one of us. We don't have to be afraid. There's going to be good news here because we don't have to do. We don't have to do what the devil tempts us to do, but If we're not careful, we're gonna be very, very at risk. And so, you look around, the world is actually designed to get us to believe lies. It's designed, it's literally designed to get us at our most vulnerable. Do you remember the movie, The Social Dilemma? Have you seen it? This is a week to watch it again. Because the algorithms, the AI is designed to get you at your most vulnerable to buy something, to do something, to click on something. I mean, it's literally now built, like they don't know they're serving Satan, but that's his strategy. He's the father of lies. He invented that and will look for a more opportune time to get you to believe his lies so that you'll live and act in a way that's inconsistent with the ultimate reality of God's salvation and the way that brings life. There's Roger Ebert, in, in uh, his review of the, the book uh, movie, "The Social Dilemma," said this: "What we learn in this movie is that our brains are being manipulated and even rewired by algorithms. Hang on now. That's not a reactionary comment. If Steve Finkbeiner was in this service again, he was here last hour, our, our, our resident neuroscientist, our brains are rewired by what we open ourselves to and let in. And so our brains are being rewired by algorithms that are designed to get our attention and make us buy things, including buying into distorted ideas about the world, ourselves, and each other. Did you see that? Buying into distorted ideas, deceitful deceitful ideas that play to our disordered desires that get normalized in a sinful society. The devil is using technology among all the other stuff he uses because our whole world is being tempted in a very cunning way, including you when you're your most vulnerable, to believe what is untrue about God and yourself and salvation. You with me? Can I move on? Yep. Because is is there good news? <laughs> because he is so good at this that he's literally wrecking our lives. So before I move on, we have to ask each other. You have to ask yourself what what unreality, what untruth, what lie am I letting into my, my, my mind, my soul, my body? Because as I let it in, it will be what I become. And then I will live in a non-thriving way. Even us that know Christ. In fact, some of us would even fall away because of the lies. Look at this terrifying verse in 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith. Totally gone. Abandon what's true and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Now, I know that sounds reactionary, but is the world happy? Is the world thriving? Because the way of God is what brings life. And so, friends, finally, let's hear it. There's good news. (laughs) Here's the good news, and I got to end with this Jesus is the way, the truth. And the life that, That's from John four, uh, 14, 6. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. This is the good news. Jesus, in John chapter 10, I only read the, the first phrase where he talked about the enemy. He said, the, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. But look at the good news of the contrast here. He goes, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, have it overflowing, have it abundant, have it flourishing. This is the idea that we would flourish by the life that Jesus comes to bring. That is the opposite of the death that the enemy wants to bring. The good news, Jesus brings life. And he has, as I said, already defeated the devil. So it's not even a fair play. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians, or 1 John chapter three. The reason the son of God appeared, it says it in black and white in your Bible. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Somebody let out a little bit of a hoop. <laughs> like that's the deal. Like, like we don't have to be subject to the way the devil wants to destroy us because we have Christ. Jesus has already destroyed the devil's work. And you're like, but I don't see that because I see the work all over. And that's because that destruction is, um, uh, he is, just, he is um, the impact of his destruction is that he cannot control us. And the cross has the power to overcome that. So we who are in Jesus will not have to succumb to the freedom that the devil still has to run around as a wounded animal. Look at, uh, at this text. Oh man, this is good news. All This is a great, we should get this tattooed. Everybody get a tattoo with me on this verse. Colossians chapter two. When you were dead in your sins and in, your, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. There's good news just to start. He's going, look it. When you were dead, you were far away from God. Spiritually dead, you were far away from God. God made you alive with Christ. That's good news. Here's what it is. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us. We couldn't pay our own debt. It stood against us, and it condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. This is just this great two verses about our salvation. So good. And then verse 15, he brings in the enemy, and having disarmed all the powers and the authorities. That's all the demonic. That's the enemy and all his angels. Having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. Isn't that it? So you guys, we, if we walk In the truth, if we walk with Jesus, if we are filled with the spirit, then we have life and the enemy's ways will not come to about in our, in our experience. That's the good news of the whole thing. Jesus has brought life. He's the way and the truth and the life. One last verse, and this is the homework. Get ready, band. You guys are going to come out here pretty quick. First John chapter five. And this literally is homework. This is literally homework. You have to memorize this verse with me. We're gonna memorize this verse, me and you. Next week, we're gonna memorize these verses. Wow, you're like, that's a whole paragraph. I know. Hello, Netflix, Netflix brain. We can do it, let's do it. In fact, some of you are like, I'm not memorizing that. Yes, we're gonna memorize it. Don't come to church if you don't have it memorized. I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. But I'm gonna give you money if you memorize it with me, okay? I'm gonna give you green money. I don't know, I'm gonna be like grandpa peeling off dollar bills, come on. I'm going to give real money to people who memorize this for next week. You with me? Somebody remind me. Somebody remind me to bring money next week. (laughs) Look at the good news here, you guys. Because, listen, if we walk in the spirit, then we will know the truth. And what did Jesus say about the truth? It will set you free. Because we're thriving in what is real. We're in congruity with capital R reality. Look at what we know. This is why I want you to memorize this verse. Look at what we know. We know that we are children of God, the verse says. And we know that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It gets real, real fast. We know also that the son of God has come and given us what? Do you see it's about ideas and truth? He's given us understanding so that we may know him who is what? True, not lies. And we are in him who is true by being in his son, Jesus. He is the true God and he is eternal life. That's where human flourishing is found. Is that not great news? The enemy, his story is to be our enemy His his objective is destruction. His tactic is lies to get us to think that life is found somewhere else. And the bad news is it's wrecking lives everywhere, but the good news is that does not have to be for we, as the scriptures say, are not unaware of his schemes because we know the truth. For he is a God who is worthy of our praise He is light and love and overcomes the darkness. And so we lean into him and we'll talk more about that and the practicalities of it next week. Now let's stand and give him who is worthy our worship.